What did we just watch, Amy? We just watched Mascots, the 2016 Christopher Guest film, Netflix original. Yeah. And this is the second time we've started this podcast. <laughs> so we had a slight conversation before, but now we're going to start again. And it yeah. was definitely not because our cat jumped up <laughs> on the table and knocked the table down. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a great table. Um, that definitely did not yeah. happen, as she will tell you um, yeah. from her spot in the window right <laughs> she now. She was there. She knows what happened. Nothing happened. Nothing. Nothing happened. So, well, anyways, mascots. Christopher ooh. Guest mockumentary. First, first impressions. Spoilers. It's from 2016, so you, you've had your chance yeah. to watch it. And I was just saying that it's it's a Christopher Guest mockumentary, as you would expect. Yeah, and Kevin and said, I, I have thoughts on that. And I then have, the table fell yeah. over. I have opinions about the term mockumentary specifically on this film. Because um, I would I would say that I think Christopher Guest made mockumentaries. I mean, Spinal Tap, of course, is the the Ur example. Yeah, but he didn't. He didn't direct mm, that. Yeah, it was. He was one same. of the creatives. Yes. Um, in that the entire film was mostly improvised by him and his fellow bandmates. Right. Um, but yes, that was directed by Marty DeBerge. We don't say it's Christopher Guest Spinal Tap. No, the way we, we say don't. Christopher Guest like yeah. Waiting for Guffman. Waiting for Guffman. What? Best in Show. A Mighty Wind. A Mighty Wind. That's uh, that's the trilogy. Well, just real quick, the summary of this movie is that it is maybe a mockumentary. We're gonna we're gonna get into that about a group of professional mascots. Yeah, who sports play mascots. Sports mascots, and they are going to the Fluffies, which is an international competition for mascots doing their thing. Yeah. And it, it follows, a, as documentaries do, a, mm-hmm. a certain number of, of characters kind of through the, the process up to mm-hmm. the competition. And then and then a year later, yeah, to see we catch up with them. What, what happened. It's the typical Christopher Guest cast. Yeah. You're Jane Lynch's and Jennifer Goodwin. And is it Goodwin? Um See, I got my Coolidge? phone out. Coolidge. <laughs> I got my phone out so I could look yeah. at the um, um, Ed Begley Jr. Mm-hmm. and lots of faces Fred you will recognize: Parker Willard. Posey, Fred Willard. Um, lots of faces you will recognize from other Christopher Guest productions. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, this felt like an interesting departure from a lot of Christopher Guest's casting. There was a much newer crop of cast members um folks that he's worked with before i mean uh, chris o'dowd was in a tv show that he produced um and some of the other ones are people i've seen around yeah carrie I, godleman was on taskmaster yes we both realized that at the same time <laughs> we're like oh yeah she was on taskmaster that's yeah. where we know her from um but it was a it was a broader cast than the sort of core stable of Christopher Guest. Really the I think of the trilogy of of Guffman, Best in Show, Mighty Wind as like this unique trilogy of films. Mm-hmm. Um, and then of course you had Four Year Consideration which came after that which was not a mockumentary and then sort of this was him returning to the mockumentary stylings. Mm-hmm. Although we watched Four Year Consideration yeah, and it had a lot of the same 
beats yes. as a mockumentary. It, it, was, it was not a mockumentary, but it was structured the same way a Christopher Guest film is. Yes. <laughs> And this, and this, I think, was between those two. Because yeah. I think there were the talking head interviews and sort of things like that that you come to expect from this. That, that Christopher Guest pioneered and then shows like The Office and Modern Family, Parks and Rec, Parks and Rec all ran with and arguably ran into the ground. Yeah. Uh, Modern Family stopped even pretending to be a mockumentary somewhere along the lines and was just like yeah don't think about where the talking heads are happening or what's going on it's just or what's it's it's the talking heads make sense but it's the in-between scenes you yeah know, like really they sent the documentary crew to film that like yeah mm. and they're like just don't think about it too hard which was one of my favorite jokes in the later episodes of wandavision yeah, yeah. When they was, got to they the, kind of that they era. got to that era, and they were just kind of like, none of this makes any sense. When are these talking heads happening? No, don't don't think about it. Yeah. Well, that was that was the beauty of some of what WandaVision mm-hmm. did. Yeah. In its in its pastiche of, of different sitcoms. Yeah. Over the decades. Um, so this felt like to me, Christopher Guest pulling from that era of mockumentary mm. rather than his older I don't want to say like purer stuff but like the original as far as I know mockumentary films that he did were filmed like documentaries they were very much like you know single camera very few multi-take scenes very improvised and like the camera feels present in the scene. Mm-hmm. Like there is a person behind the camera who is paying attention to what's going on and doing their best to film the happenings. And that footage later gets cut together into a film. This felt like it was shot like a film. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying. I wasn't paying attention hard. So, but now I see, <laughs> I see what you're saying. There was lots of coverage. There was a lot of shot reverse shot. There was an absence of camera. The camera was falling back into the sort of like omniscient perspective that most narrative that we're films. Just the yeah, yeah. There was one point when um, the head of the competition, the two heads were talking, and there were furries in the background. Yeah, and they were trying to like talk about the furries harassing the mascot uh-huh. and trying to explain it to someone who had never heard. Of what a furry what was. A furry was, and I was like, that—that's an odd thing for the documentary crew, like for the people being filmed to let the documentary yes. crew film happening. Like that's yes. the sort of thing you don't want that conversation it to was, represent your competition. It was a funny bit, yeah, but it it stepped outside the bounds of the mockumentary format in a lot of ways, in that it didn't feel. And it's funny to use this word in a fake mock, fake documentary. It didn't feel authentic. It didn't feel naturalistic, maybe, is the word I would use. Um, a lot of the scenes felt like bits with more traditional, like, comic stylings mm-hmm. and structures rather than sort of, oh, this is just a thing that's happening. And we caught it on film and it's very funny. Which is not to say I didn't think the movie was funny. I did think it was funny. Um, I'm just acknowledging that there was a sort of different feel 
aesthetically to the film. In the same way that For Your Consideration was aesthetically felt like a very different film. Well, you're coming from this too, as I was saying in our first take. <laughs> first take. It's been eons since I've seen Waiting for Guffman mm-hmm. or um, Mighty Wind or the, Best the, the earlier yeah. Christopher Guest. Mm-hmm. So I don't have that reference points, but I do have the like modern family reference mm-hmm. point where I've gotten used to the mockumentary without the documentary. <laughs> yeah. Part. <laughs> That's a good way of describing it, though. So it's the I, mockumentary without a documentary. So, uh, that's why I didn't catch it. That's why. Mm-hmm. And I know you recently watched some historic guests, because I've, I've seen I've it. watched... The only one I haven't watched recently is Best in Show, and that's not for any particular reason. I just haven't gotten around to it yeah, yet. Yeah, I've, I've seen you watching it during yeah. the day. Because I like... I do. I revisit the Christopher Guest movies. I think they are they are very fun Fun fact in that context, uh, Christopher Guest's character of Corky St. Clair from Waiting for Guffman was his character in this. Yeah, I just saw that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I recognized it because I know who Corky is, but... <laughs> nice, nice callback. Yeah, it was. And, and I, like, I saw him and I was like, oh, that looks a lot like Corky St. Clair. And then it was, it was. So that was fun. Um. Which I think was fun for him to sort of do a callback for that character. A relatively small part in the show. Because um, he was busy directing it and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, it was it was interesting to me that it... It was closer in story structure to like Best in Show or A Mighty Wind. Like There's really Best in Show. There's a competition. We're following the competitors as they're getting to the thing. We're going to find out who's going to win. And then we're going to have an ending. And like all three of the guest documentaries, mockumentaries we've talked about, all like end in a performance of some kind. Mm-hmm. Guffman, you have the theatrical performance. In Best in Show, you have the dog show. And in uh, the third one, you have the concert. Like a all, Mighty yeah, a Mighty Wind. You have all of those like culminating events of all these disparate characters coming together for this. And we follow them as they interact, as they interact a little bit, or even just like are all at the same place for the first mm-hmm. time. Um, something that didn't happen at all in For Your Consideration that I, I appreciated in that movie, in that he didn't feel like constrained to that structure. Because mm-hmm. For Your Consideration is all over the place, um, for better or for worse. Um, it is like yeah, following the production of this film, but it's. It doesn't have a culminating event in that. I mean, it sort of does in the, like the actual announcements of like the Oscars, but, but it's, it's almost comically unclimactic in, in how that is produced and things like that. So this felt like him almost like taking a criticism from for your consideration and like trying to go back which this all sounds like I'm being very mean to the movie. I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. I laughed. It is. It's a rainy Saturday afternoon. It was a really nice. Yeah, light, it was a pleasant time. Easy, rainy Saturday afternoon film. I was looking real quick at the ratings of it, and it's rated very mediocre. And I was. I would not have said mediocre. Surprised I was, by that. Yeah. I mean, I was entertained. It wasn't yeah. like fall on the floor. 
laughing or the side of inside mm-hmm. jokes maybe from some of the other films uh sorts of things you quote back and yeah again and again. i mean i definitely see this being part of the the guest canon and that people are going to keep discovering this movie for a long time um and i think that will be you know it will hit cult status in that sort of way because uh, i think there are funny bits and goofy things and the character work is pretty strong uh, which is not unusual for his movies. He gets good people. Yeah. A, a big part of Christopher Guest movies is casting. And well, he does... A lot of directors who end up working with the same kind of cast people mm-hmm. over and over, uh, it gets really bland. It's like they stop pushing the cast. Yes. They're rather just going on the previous mm-hmm. praise and appreciation. Mm-hmm. But I feel like... In this film, I still was entertained by yeah. the characters in the cast. I didn't feel like they were phoning it in because no. it's their I mean, Parker Posey person. was doing doing whatever Parker Posey does. She's my favorite. <laughs> the modern dancing, the like bad, yeah. stereotypical yeah, Martha Graham, dance, but not. But not bad, at all. <laughs> uh, interpretation of the mascot. Yes. Um, I, I thought that was I, very funny. She did a very She's good my job. Favorite. Just She's... living in her body. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, a uh, commentary about women's status in society through the dance of Alvin the Armadillo. <laughs> the basketball has... team mascot. <laughs> Whose legs and arms are covered in tire tracks. Yeah! <laughs> just a subtle joke. Like, they never really comment on it, but just once you realize, you go, ah! <laughs> and then once they get to the performance, and there's... Like, oh gosh. I think this has just become, because I come from performance studies and I yeah. know what this is like making fun of. Uh-huh. The, the voice, the voiceover during the music, <laughs> just random clips. Just the phone just, rings. Who yeah, is it? Who is it? <laughs> um, and yeah, yeah, just, that's the only. What is the only mouse guy that looks homemade? Like Yeah, like just, literally made out of like, duct tape. Yeah. <laughs> Two, it's the only mascot that isn't a full body suit. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like this homemade armadillo helmet like And a little backpack thing. thing. Yeah, a little backpack thing to represent their shell. Mm-hmm. And and then like the, the tire tracks on that um, the body suit. On yeah. a body suit. The, the rest of them are all mascots, which you would more expect. Sort of. I mean, <laughs> that they could exist. I feel like if Gritty exists. Yes, now that's that he fair. Exists, now that Gritty exists, everything's fair game. Any mascot could exist. Gritty is the mascot of the Philadelphia team. A sports team in Philadelphia. Do you have any idea even, like, which sport? I just forgot. <laughs> I have no idea. Is it the hockey team? It is the hockey team. Okay. <laughs> a sports Do you know what their, team? what their name is? The Flyers? It is the Flyers. Okay. I knew more than I thought. <laughs> now that Gritty exists. Gritty exists. Anything can be a mascot. Yeah. Um. Uh, and, and is. And I... <laughs> This is a weird response, a reaction, I think. I wish we had seen more of the mascot work. Because, mm-hmm. um, again, with something like 
one of the things I absolutely adore about waiting for Guffman is that it feels like you were watching the creation of a community theater show. And if you've ever been in one of those, you it resonates with you in a very deep way. And while I've never done a show dogs, or I've never been in a in a uh, folk band, there is a love of the craft that exists in those, mm-hmm. of folk music, of dog shows, that permeates the film. And again, gives it this sort of mockumenticity um that i felt was a little bit missing in this one this one did feel more like a send-off of making fun of people who are really into something very specific yes and like more humor than i expected was predicated on it's funny because they're wearing mascot costumes and they take it very seriously yeah i mean they take it seriously and in, in like the dog show and the but folk the, music, the joke but... isn't that they take folk music seriously yeah. it's these are hilarious people in a heightened sense yeah. but here the joke a lot of times was that they took mascotting seriously so seriously and weirdly it felt a little meaner because of that I yeah think. yeah it didn't it, it felt like i was making fun of yeah um, which was a little disappointing, but I gotta say though, it it is made me now think of mascotting differently. Sure, like whenever I see mascots from now on, I'm gonna think of it <laughs> a li- little differently. Yep. And and uh, it's presented here the way that they put their competition bits together looks like clowning to me oh yeah I no really i was like of clowning, as clowning pantomime like it's all of that yeah, yeah so it did make me think oh yeah okay yeah there is there is like an art form here it's not just people putting on mm-hmm. i mean in real life it's yes. not just people putting on these ridiculous and because costumes. i had a very similar reaction i wanted the movie to take it more seriously <laughs> like, oh that's interesting like when you get to the um Hedge, not hedgehog. Yeah, it's hedgehog. The hedgehog, the British, mm-hmm. the British mascot. Like he was, yes. he was doing like classic clowning. Classic, bits. very, very physical. Yeah, um, vaudevillian almost, mm-hmm. or reminiscent and, of like um, acrobatic work. Yeah, and the joke work. We start with a small soccer ball mm-hmm. that he's kicking around, and he gets out the tea, and then. Mm-hmm. He gets stuck on the tablecloth, and then a bigger soccer ball comes, and he's excited about that, but instead of kicking it, he gets on top of it, and he yeah. gets some tea, and then... It was a goes, well-structured... Like, so it builds... Yeah. There there was work, and mm-hmm. it wasn't just someone running around, shaking going, their hands, going, woo! Yeah. Cheer for me! So, that will at least make me look yeah. at the art and of mascotting differently. I really did enjoy the range of mascotting performances that we saw um, from the very simple of the pencil and pencil sharpener, like coming out and just kind of wiggling um, to the plumber. I thought was like this heavily choreographed, you know, dance number with different bits. Again, it was reminding me, it was clowning. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It was, but it felt it different, a story. but it felt very different than the like hedgehog one. Yeah. Which, in turn, felt different from The Fist. (laughs) Yep. Which I loved The Fist. I loved Chris O'Dowd. (laughs) 
every scene he was in was amazing. I wanted more of him. I can understand why you wouldn't put more of him in there because he's so abrasive, but... You you don't want to overdo it. Yeah. But he was just in that character, and I believed every second of it. The Fist is a Canadian hockey... Mascot. Mascot for some obscure Canadian... Probably made up Canadian team, but... Well, they were all from obscure, like, that was sort of another one of the jokes. Non-professional sports teams. And and the fist is... I mean, he's lewd, (laughs) aggressive... The character of the fist is these things. And so is Chris O'Dowd, the guy who plays the fist. Right, the person who plays the fist gets keeps getting in trouble for sleeping with women that yeah. he's not supposed to sleep with or being lewd at the at the game. Yeah. And he doesn't really have a performance in in the same way it's structured. He just comes out to big like metal yeah. music with pirates. Some air guitar on the on the and he rollerblades around, <laughs> and so that's a very different performance mm-hmm. type than the hedgehog or the plumber. Yeah, who are doing more clowning um, esque bits, and then the middle finger. Yeah. It was so perfect. I had been wondering about it the whole time. I was like, that just seems... <laughs> and literally, this is a fist. Yeah. The mascot is, is, is... a giant white fist. It's a giant white fist. Closed, like, yeah, know, like ready to punch someone. <laughs> and at the very end of his performance, saving it towards the end of the film, your yeah. middle finger pops up. Yeah. And it was perfect. It was a killer punchline. I have, I have to give props to the, the choreographers of this entire piece. It did occur to me watching all of the full bodied mascot costumes. Like I don't think everyone in these mascot costumes is the actual actor. They had a big list of mascot yeah. people in the credits. And I, and I don't think that they were just in, in the, in crowd the backgrounds. Shots. Yeah, no, I think, I think that most of the fully masked performances were professional movement it's artists. Like there might be stunt ma- stuntmen. Art to this yes absolutely behind it (laughs) yes which is why again i wanted the movie to take it more seriously and not just laugh at the mascots and 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 it was on the edge there and i think stuff like um parker posey's character was was closer to that and and not in that her performance was particularly serious it was very goofy but she her storyline treated it fairly importantly. Um, whereas a lot of the other characters had different bits that were not central to mascotting. If that makes sense. Like the married couple, like their bit was, they were arguing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're they hated not, each other. That was the a bit. Happy couple. <laughs> that was the whole bit. They were trying to pretend to be a very happy couple and failing, um, which is a funny bit, but is not integrated with, the mascotting it felt like yeah making fun of people who are into something very very niche Mm -hmm. like i think we yeah as opposed to something like folk music or dog shows which are they are dog shows are very niche (laughs) but they're not as niche yeah (laughs) they're niche but not niche this is nicher yeah so yeah, it was it was an interesting balancing act in that it 
the mascotting itself felt less central to the movie, particularly in the first two acts before we get to the actual performances. Um, Hedgehog, you did have some like, you know, I want to, I want to change the show, dad, um, which played well. Again, as the closer they got to that, the more I liked the, was interested in the stories. Mm -hmm. So Parker Posey's Armadillo, the Hedgehog, I think were very close to their mascotting was close to their stories. Whereas the married couple, I didn't really care about. Or the plumber guy, I didn't really care about his story, other than he likes mascotting a lot. They're also people who are very, like, not... They're kind of dweebs in real life. Like, mm -hmm. they're, like, not exciting people. Yeah. <laughs> who aren't as, maybe as far in... Uh, along in their life as, as they would like to be, mm -hmm. which is an easy thing to kind of yeah, make fun of. It, it's just not as, it's not as complex as, as again, I think if you're really trying to attune to that mockumentary format where you're trying to play a real person, mm -hmm. I felt like some of these were playing character types. Yeah. I never got a real sense of, like, who the married couple was as people. I think they were funny. I think they had fun little bits. But I didn't get a sense of them as people. And the same thing with Plummer. I was like, eh, yeah, okay. Like, he's lonely. Yeah. He's trying to be friends with all the football players. And mm -hmm. they don't know he exists. Yeah. But it, it, it just... It didn't work for me in the same way. Mm -hmm. Um... And I think I'm putting that at the feet of the stories being further away from mascotting. Um, I, I mean, you could have done different stories and it would have been better as well. But that's just an interesting thing I'm noticing right now. Is I think the stronger stories were tied closer to the narrative of the movie. That's the end of that sentence. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. First impressions. I'm, I'm making this up as I go along. <laughs> Um, it was a little bit interesting who, like, wasn't in this, in that, like, you didn't have, um, didn't have Eugene like, Eugene Levy, Levy or Catherine O'Hara, really those two, the two yeah. of them. The, they, now, those were to be fair, they might have been busy making the show that they were on, Schitt's Creek, yeah. when this was coming out, which is entirely possible. Or... You don't have to have the exact same... No, they don't. For, I just love Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy. <laughs> don't have to be in every... All the more reason we should probably film. watch Schitt's Creek. Although, I mean, I'm seeing more and more people are like, just watch the third season. Yeah, I've been because, hearing some of that. <laughs> At first it was like, skip the first few episodes of yeah. the first season. There's, there's, I've seen there's some discussion like, like, where do you start? <laughs> no, skip the first season. Yeah. Um... That, yeah, I definitely seen like start in the middle, and then you know after you've watched it, I'll go back and watch the early stuff too. But uh, but TV shows are hard to make, so that's fine. Uh, other thoughts? I thought that I, this I don't know where this thought came from. I thought it had a weird relationship to offensive material. Yeah, like I kind of thinking about. I think it's a T1J video that talks about Tina Fey's weird relationship to race. Yes, in her oeuvre of work. It was, was reminding kind of me of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it starts with um, a little person who is one of the 
mascots Mm -hmm. who Fred Willard's character comes in and starts asking him like all All of the questions questions um and the guy's very very patient yeah with with all of this offensive yeah and and the joke is meant to be on Fred Willard I mean that was him playing that sort of a character but when this scene popped up I was like this is a really odd thing to exist in this film like why did it need to be here I understand better why it needed because Fred Willard was looking for a little person to jump out of the toilet to be a turd. Yes. And I don't know who he ended up. Yeah, that's that's I wrote that getting. down like I was like, who's in the poo costume? We never addressed that. <laughs> and and that's the whole reason that we have this awkward Scene. Yeah. Uh I mean, it's offensive the questions that Fred Willard's character are offensive. Yes. And to have that whole scene, it's just for this joke of someone popping out. And I think that joke could have worked without that scene. Uh, yeah, it didn't, because it, it didn't Because there's no be... payoff in, in, like, other than Fred Willard has an idea for the plumber bit. Yeah. But, like, you could have him talk about that in a different way, or just have it be a surprise, because we'd never find out who's in the poop. And so, like, needing to set up, like, oh, we need to find someone who could be in the poop. Like, none of that... And I don't think it was a little person in the poop at the it end. It looks maybe like a child. I was thinking child or just a, a smaller person. Yeah. But I don't know. Well, and it's and never addressed. The, so the little person is, plays... Um, a worm. A worm. Which didn't need... That in itself didn't need any calling. The worm could have just existed. And well, especially the, in the, the context of that scene. Existed without any commentary on... Yeah. On, on anything. On anything. And it would have been fine. So it was just... The scene itself is not offensive. Like, it is making mm-hmm. fun of Fred, Fred Willard. But it was... It's kind of, it, yeah, you go, why is this here? Why? Because it, it could have gone wrong. Yes. could have gone very wrong. And I don't I don't think I would have... It was not enough of a payoff. Yeah. But you don't, you don't know it when you're filming. Yeah. You're, you're doing your best with how you're imagining mm-hmm. it come together. Particularly, I think, with, with films that are heavily improvised in the way that these are. Yeah, yeah. So, it isn't, I mean, the joke was, why is there a rab- an orthodox rabbi and a worm that act together as a mascot? <laughs> that was a great joke. That's the joke. That's like, a perfect joke. <laughs> why? What? No, what about the size of the people inside the costumes? But what is the, the connection what is, there? What is this? What is the connection? And that was a good joke. Yeah. That played very well. And fairly understated for a very weird joke. Yeah. Um, that one stood out. There was a moment Parker Posey gets called in. Yeah. committee. Because somebody has reported that she has offensive material in her background because the team that she mascots for was once called called the Leaping Squaws. Yes. And I'm not sure how old the character is supposed to be, but Parker Posey is like in her 50s. Yeah. So this could have been decades (laughs) ago, but she could have been playing a 30-year-old for all. Um, And, And so in this like send up of kind of quote-unquote political correct culture yeah. they're not gonna let her perform e- perform even though they're not 
called that name anymore. They're and she's called, an armadillo. <laughs> and she's an armadillo, and they're, I don't know what they're... Yeah, again, it was a bit that, like, was set up in that, like, someone on set had an idea for this scene, and the payoff of how it went didn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it is a cast of white actors. Yes. There was um, one black actor in the beginning playing the doctor looking at the knee yeah. of one of the <laughs> mascot tears. Mask, mm-hmm. I don't know what to call someone. Maskers? Mascotters? Yeah. I don't know. It's a good I question. Like mascoteer. Mascoteer. Yeah. Like mascoteer. Yes. It's mascoteer. So when that kind of joke comes up and it's just a bunch of white people who are trying to figure it out and are not aware. Yeah. The the film itself is not really aware of that. That it was just, it was just an odd relationship to offensive material. It wasn't just racially offensive. Mm -hmm. And then there was like the only masketeers of color were probably the ones from India, the pencil and the pencil sharpener, yes. but we don't ever see them. Yes. And that was another joke, is that they're, the mascots that work together are a pencil and a pencil, and a pencil sharpener. sharpener. Another good joke. I, I appreciated Which, the joke. Who thought of that? Yeah. <laughs> that Does that scream cricket team to you? Um, yeah, it was a, just a joke, but I thought that that was... Mm-hmm. That was a weird choice, especially for the one, like, quote-unquote, other yeah. um, team that was present. Mm-hmm. Again, not offensive. Like, no. They're not getting in... They're not being offensive. No. It's just this It's just weird, weird choices. Yeah. <laughs> you go, oh, okay? Uh, also, I, I th- again, in that sort of, like, weird choices, a larger-than-expected amount of genital humor... Particularly in like the early goings, um, and then dropped and never brought up or mentioned again. Like mm-hmm. a just a weird like. It felt like one of those on scene. Like I'm trying to come up with a joke here, and this is what I reach for, and I could have done better <laughs> if I'm making a joke up on the spot. It felt mm-hmm. it felt. Um, oh, this is going to sound mean. It felt like college improv team joke level mm-hmm. writing. Ooh. Because a lot of it is improvisation. A lot of the yeah. jokes are are created on the spot, and I get that. And you got to go with what you got. Yeah. What happened? But I also like that. Then makes me think about um, oh, forty year old virgin guy, Stephen Carell. Steve Carell, director. Right. Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow. I got it. Woo. Thanks, Judd Apatow. Um, does or did i don't know if he still does i don't know if he's still directing right now i haven't heard of a new judd apatow film coming out in a while he's been doing more producing yeah um he was famous for his linorama style of directing where there was like just throw in a different joke every time we're gonna do 16 takes throw a different joke each time and we're gonna pull the best one and that was in that was they did so much of that for example in anchorman that they made a second anchorman film out of that unused footage um and then released it as a DVD extra on the Anchorman movie. Um, so, like, but that's very different than the documentary style filmmaking, where they would shoot, like a documentary, hundreds of hours of footage and pull the absolute best stuff. 
this felt like they shot what they needed <laughs> and did some retakes and then a fair amount of like coverage which is weird to see coverage in a mockumentary to me well maybe we've hit a new point in mockumentary oh, we have. filmmaking and uh i mean you'd be interested to see what the next christopher guest film yeah or the next film made like, by someone who's not christopher guest you know the next mockumentary. big mockumentary and what does that look like because i think I think the talking head cutaway gag is a cheap and easy way to write jokes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've said that for a long time. I, and I think it's true. And that's not bad. People love the mockumentary style. It makes them laugh. The jokes work. Um, but I think the more traditional mockumentaries like Christopher Guest made were incredibly work-intensive rather than being cheap and easy which is why nobody else did them or there were very few people that did them because it was actually more work than just writing a movie and shooting it mm-hmm. um so to i would be disappointed if if this is all that remains of the mockumentary format is the 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 talking head segments I mean, you've got to show like documentary now, which isn't doing mockumentaries. I mean, it is, it is. doing mockumentaries, uh, but it's very specifically. Oh, documentary now is such a fascinating specific <laughs> documentaries, not just the genre. Yeah, what if we took but... a documentary and made a parody of just this one film, um, which is fascinating, and they put in the work. Yeah. Um, they, they put in the work and it shows on every freaking frame of that show. Uh, even if I don't always like it, I can just be in awe of the work they put into it. <laughs> yeah. It's often, I want to go back and watch the documentary it's based on just mm-hmm. so I can watch the mockumentary about it. Yeah. Like, I don't care about the documentary. Yeah. I just want to know what I want some extra context of. for these jokes. Not, they're not even making fun of, it, it is, it is parody in that you're learning new things about the original source material yeah. while watching Yeah, the parody it of is, it. It is, it's uh, such a good show. Uh, but maybe that's, you know, maybe that's where we are in the... In the document Timeline. mockumentary life cycle, uh, <laughs> yeah, we have one group that went one direction, another style that went in a new direction, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm okay with that. And I want more experimentation. Um, and I would have, really, I think, like my core disappointment with this movie is it felt like so much of the same of Christopher Guest. I think you know I, I didn't have that because I haven't. You haven't been watching them every. You know, I would like to, like, yeah. I would really like to watch Waiting for Guffman because as a theater person, mm-hmm. and I think I watched it in high school. We can watch it after this. I don't like, mind. Been a million years. We don't have to record a podcast about it. I'll just sit down and watch Waiting for Guffman <laughs> with you again. <laughs> I've been through so much schooling and theater between mm. now and, and high school. Yeah, Waiting for Guffman holds up. I think it's just like classic we did we did finally watch spinal tap we did i think we did a podcast on i don't remember if we did spinal tap spinal tap's great because i had never seen spinal yeah. tap oh. before and it is but like spinal tap nails that documentary masterpiece feeling it is deservedly in the criterion collection although i think the spinal tap criterion collection disc is out of print but nevertheless <laughs> it's a friggin' masterpiece of a movie 
I don't think I have much else. So do you have any other thoughts? A weird offensiveness those, humor jokes? Or mostly it was a fun Saturday afternoon uh, the, the The gluten-free channel bit was just funny. It was just a good bit. And then the history of the other channels that yeah. have been on. The Sailing Channel. The Sailing Channel. Sailing the 2. R- railing and Pole Channel. <laughs> Rail and Fence. Rail and Fence. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're hitting the end of cable TV, and we're not going to be able to make those jokes anymore. No. It's a very 2016 joke. You can't make that anymore. be a sailing channel Yeah. <laughs> Oh, in that same space, the uh, does that is does that smell normal as a TV show, <laughs> which felt like such a, a, like a basic TLC, table a TLC, a TLC show. show right there. Does that smell normal? <laughs> That's all you need. <laughs> Coming to Discovery now, yeah. or Discovery Plus? I don't know Discovery what the Plus. I don't know what the word is. Well, they're all going in. They're all being plus. pluses. Every Netflix is now a plus. It's now. A, that's a funny bit. It's a real funny bit. Uh, I don't have any other jokes. I think I wrote farting problem. Okay. I don't remember any farting problems. I don't either. It could also be terrace problem. Yeah, that's a very different note. have to deal with rail and fence builds a terrace. it was after the dancing poop yeah. and before martha graham armadillo uh-huh. i don't know I have no idea what that means uh yeah it's a fun movie it's all right it was a good saturday rainy afternoon movie got netflix go go pick check it out throw it on watch it do you want to tell them about our Patreon, Amy? Oh, yes. Well, my thought went away. I just uh, watched it. <laughs> I watched it go across the room. It go was away. it a thought about the Patreon or a different thought no, entirely? I was thinking about how our patrons were going to get an extra special uncut episode this week, but uh-huh. the first take we did of this episode is now lost. It's not lost. I have it saved. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get that. <laughs> All right, another reason to be a patron on Patreon. I'm going to slap it on the beginning, and they're going to go, what? What is this? Why am I paying money for this extra terrible audio? And the answer is because you love us. Yes. That's why. So that's one of the benefits. You can find us at patreon.com slash five degrees. And one of the benefits is that you got the super uncut version for the 30 seconds before we start the episode and after we start the episode when we turn the mic on and off yeah and an extra special thing happened this time (laughs) and you'll get to hear it and you'll get to hear it no promises about whether or not it's good (laughs) if you like loud crashing noises you're in luck it's like the opposite of asmr maybe i should put it at the end of the episode so they know what to expect rather than at the beginning to extra (laughs) confuse them they already know to expect weird stuff at the start of the episodes. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's one of the benefits. One of the other benefits is you get to look at the list of movies we didn't watch because Kevin gives me a list of movies and then I choose one and then we watch it. And then sometimes films on the list show back up. I yeah. think we had a couple show back up 
this time? Including mascots. Okay, okay. And that is it for the benefits. We thank you. (laughs) Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for listening. We'll always have a free podcast because podcasts should be free. And that's how everyone can have their own podcast. Yes. You should start a podcast. You, our listener, start a podcast. (laughs) Some of you have. Some of you have. (laughs) Not posted yet because I'll listen to them when they're posted. But. Podcasts, the zines of the 21st century. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, zines... Zines are also the zines of the 21st 21st century. But podcasts came out in the 20th century, so it's all made up. It's all made up. It's all made up. Um, So that's... Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Rate us, review us on your favorite podcatcher. We appreciate the reviews. Say goodnight, Amy. Goodnight, Amy.